0: You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is Friday, January 29th, 2021. On the show today, we discuss a pair of signings for the Nationals. Most notably, free agent catcher Alex Avila has signed a one-year deal with the Nats. Also, Blake Swihart, a free agent catcher and outfielder, has signed a one-year contract, a minor league deal with them as well. We'll break down both those news and hit on some of the other big news around the league to wrap up the week. All right, let's get to it. It was first reported on Thursday night that the Nationals would be signing free agent catcher Alex Avila to a one-year contract. The worth, the amount, has not been stated, but Avila is 34. He turns 34 on Friday. In the last three years, his splits are 184, 328, and 349, so he is not known as an offensive thumper. His best offensive season was back in Detroit, where he is most known for his time. Avila hit uh, 290, uh, 295, 389 on base and 895 OPS back in 2011. And of course, he was most known for that time that he spent with the Tigers. Uh, he did it in twice. He was back there in 2017, and he was there for seven years in the beginning of his, uh, you know, his very steady, I would say, career is a good way to describe his time with the Tigers and just his entire stint in Major League Baseball. And Jesse Doherty put it pretty well in the Washington Post. He basically said, look, the market was shrinking for catchers. The Nationals had to make a move, and they did. And I agree with that. I think that they could have been a bit more competitive in this market. I don't think the way they went about it was as aggressive as I would have liked. But they have landed on Avila now, and he comes in. He provides a veteran, obviously. He's going to be the backup catcher. And he's going to join Barrera. He is going to join uh, Jan Gomes as well. And so those three guys appear to be the three catchers that they're going to roll with in the lineup next or at least, you know, on the 40 man roster next year. Wellington Castillo was also signed earlier in the offseason and, and we talked about that as, as a move that, you know, that that happened. And um, we'll see. I mean, if he is going to be a part of the nationals plans during the season. Also they did sign, um, Blake Swihart, who I mentioned too uh, a little bit earlier, and I don't really see him being a big part of the, of the mix, but he's going to be a guy who's going to be available to them. Uh, somebody, you know, who is still only 28 years old and somebody who gives them a bit of flexibility and has not played in the major leagues, uh, since 2019. So, Provides a little bit of flexibility, a bit inconsistent with the bat, and also we know Avila is, is a bit inconsistent with the bat as well. So I'm not sure if it's a great piece of business, to be totally honest with you all. It's not really a piece of business. I've got a ton of th- things to say about. I mean, it kind of is what it is, right? Market shrinks. you got to get a guy. You go out there and get somebody who's done it before. It's going to be on the cheap as well, and this is something that we've talked about with the Nationals this offseason. This roster has been constructed not on the cheap, but, but with money in mind and flexibility in mind, too. This now adds the tally of guys they brought in this offseason who are on one- or two-year contracts. Josh Bell, two-year contract. Uh, it's going to be Alex Avila. He is on a one-year contract. Kyle Schwarber, one-year contract. These guys, you know, John Lester, one-year contract. These guys who are going to be playing for them are all on prove-it contracts. Starlin Castro's contract is going to expire at the end of this season. So the Nationals are steering right down at an offseason where they're going to have some flexibility. They're going to have the ability to retool and restructure at the end of next year, but they still want to compete this season. Does Alex Avila make them a whole lot closer to competing? No. Does Alex Avila shore up a need that they have at that position? Yes. And that is something that's why they made this move. It is about taking care of business, getting your business done at the catcher position. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And look, if he's totally awful, you have left yourself with some flexibility. They have other guys that could be the backup catcher, number two catcher, but for right now, it looks like it's going to be Alex Avila. It's a move that, once again, I wish they were a bit more aggressive in the catcher's market, but in the end of the day, it's not the worst move in the world. And it's kind of one of those things where you kind of shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, you know what? It could have been, uh, you know, Sure, it could have been JT Realmuto, Probably not. But, you know, it could have been a guy uh, out there like a James McCann, maybe also that's somebody that we'd floated earlier in the offseason before the Mets got him. Is it the sexiest move in the world? No. But is it some, one that shores up a need? Yes, it is. And the Nationals got this piece of business done. So that fills a need for the Nats. And, and things are going to be pretty, uh, it looks pretty full here. The one question I have is, what does the back of the lineup look like? It's not necessarily a guy in Alex Vila is who's going to help them shore up the back end of the lineup? Yes, it fills a need, but it does it shore up the back end of the lineup? No, not really. It's a guy who doesn't hit for much pop. It's a guy who doesn't really add a whole lot for you, you know, in terms of driving and runs. And so what does the back of the lineup look like? Are they going to be able to to provide some power? Not power, but are they going to be able to pro- provide some kind of offense at the back end? We know the front end should. Do we think the back end can? This move doesn't really help that, and I think that remains to be seen whether or not the back end of the Nationals lineup is going to be able to drive in some runs and be productive and also help turn things over to the front part of the lineup. Those are questions that are going to need some answering uh, as we get into spring training. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, let's kick around some news and notes from the week that was in Major League Baseball. The big piece of news, we haven't gotten to that yet, is JT Real Muto signing with the Phillies. We'll discuss that and more. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's edition of the Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar out there right now. They've got 18 awesome flavors, six new flavors. They've got caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar, chia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those go along with our 12 original flavors, six with nut, six without nut, all of them covered in chocolate. All of them are delicious. There really is something for everybody. Go to BiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Locked on, and you'll get 20% off on your next order. You also have a chance to win a free cooler while supplies last. Locked on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is the best place to go to find parts for your car or truck. It is a family-run business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know what we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. And one more thing before we get to the show check out Locked On Today. It is a brand new show from the Locked On Podcast Network. 20 minutes in the morning, get you set, all the sports news you need to know heading into the day. Go check it out wherever you guys get your podcast. Locked On Today. All right, so we'll get to the big news of the week. J.T. Real Muto signs with the Phillies. And this felt like something that was going to be, you know, it was coming, right? It was it was coming for the Phillies because the, the, the Mets kind of got out of the market. The Nats really didn't seem to be making too big of a push. And the other team that emerged was the Braves. And that one felt like a bit of a stretch. It felt like it was something that was not really... Uh, supposed to happen. You know, it's not really something that made a whole lot of sense. They threatened and eventually the Phillies got their guy. It was smart on them to wait. Uh, I thought that was pretty smart of them to take their time and to eventually, you know, they kind of just waited things out and they ended up getting him for five years, $115 million. And I don't know if he wanted more, Uh, but just I'll read here from RJ Anderson, our friend at CBS sports, so he says, on Tuesday, catcher JT Real Mito agreed to the terms uh, with Philadelphia Phillies on a five-year, $115.5 million contract. In doing so, he's made some special history from the position. Rio average salary of $23.1 million is the highest in baseball history for a catcher. Rio Mito, who tunes 30 in March, is also the third catcher to sign a contract worth at least nine figures. Joe Mauer and Buster Posey, the first two, and earn an average uh, value north of $20 Mauer again, and Yadier Molina have both done that as well. So uh, a huge contract for him, and, you know, you, you're glad for him. You're glad for the Phillies, obviously, getting this piece of business done. You know, look, I'm not cheering for the Phillies at any point, but it would have been awful to see JT Riomito leave and honestly, it would have been malpractice for what they gave up for him, and the fact that what they gave up for him was in the division. And Rio Muto could have gone somewhere else in the division. This was something that they had to do, and so I think for for competition's sake, it's good. Right now, this team feels like they can make some kind of a run next season. But once again, they're in a steel cage match. The the NL East. Is just an unbelievably difficult division to be in right now. So, living in that division makes it very challenging for them. And, and we'll see. This is the move, though. If they wanted to compete, they had to make it. And we'll see what JT Realmito really uh, offers for them as well. There's also some news, you know, and there's top news here that, that the Cardinals have re signed Adam Wainwright, sure. But also, the Cardinals and Rockies have been discussing a Nolan Arenado trade. So this is something that we've been tracking uh, if you're a baseball fan. So this is something that's been going on. Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post also reports that while there have been talks, there's no trade close to this time. He adds that Arenado's shoulder has fully healed after bothering him throughout the 2020 season. Those in need of a refresher on last year's public tension between Arenado uh, will want to check out Saunders' piece. So remember, guys, there was some acrimony between Nolan Arenado and the Rockies. And what's interesting here is, you know, I've spoken to people who are Cardinals fans and some people who cover the team as well, a bit surprised at how slow their offseason has been. They have not really been an aggressive team in many markets. And for this, this move, this is kind of the aggression that I think if you're a Cardinals fan, you want to see. You want to see them going after a big fish like Nolan Arenado. Do these trades always work out? No, they don't always work out. But... But with that in mind, you know, at least there is some there there. There is some want from the Cardinals' end trying to pursue a guy like Nolan Arenado. Also, and also, that division's for the taking, man. So somebody just go and grab it. The Cardinals seem like the most likely team, well-structured team, good organization. And they've got a decent roster. I think they could go and grab that division. A move like this would, would probably put them head and shoulders, uh, you know, in a position to go, in, go out and get that thing done. Also, a piece of news, Steven Matts going from the Mets. He's going to the Blue Jays, just was not working out for him there. Questions are: are the Mets clearing a spot in the rotation for Trevor Bauer? The talks go on. I'm not gonna speculate on whether he's gonna go there or not, but you know, because I thought that the Mets, it felt like they were going to close in on George Springer, and he ended up being a Blue Jay. So we'll see. But to me, it feels like the the Mets are kicking around def- more than kicking around. Um, their interest in Trevor Bauer uh, seems extensive. The problem is that, you know, and I saw a report about yesterday, Bauer wants a lot more money than really what he is worth. And I understand his season last year was phenomenal, but he has not earned a contract like a Strasburg has. He did not earn a contract like Garrett Cole has. If he thinks he's going to get paid that money, I'm sorry. He's going to be waiting for a little while. Um, Steve Cohen, as much money as he has, does not take risks in the way that Bauer would want him to take a risk on him. I'm, just so, I'm sorry for Trevor Bauer and his team. They, they, they're making a whole kind of show out of his free agency and they promised it would be different. Look, man, y'all, y'all are asking for way too much in this market. The Mets are a team that has the capital to, to make Trevor Bauer's life wonderful for the rest of it if he manages it well. I do not see any team out there that is willing to give Trevor Bauer a Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg-type contract. It's just not there to me. So let's see how that saga continues to play out. But I would expect Trevor Bauer to land somewhere in the next week and a half or two weeks. Uh, once you hit February, this is when teams are starting to turn their attention towards, you know, spring training and building the roster and and, and starting to focus on the actual season. Um, they don't want to be held up by a guy like Trevor Bauer. They want to be able to move on and get their business done. I think somebody signs Trevor Bauer. I think next Friday when I talk to you guys, there's a pretty decent chance that we've heard. And this is not me saying I have any inside information. It just feels like the Trevor Bauer saga is coming to a head. It's coming to a conclusion, and we're going to have some resolution on it by the time uh, next week wraps up. All right, that will do it for the show today. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at lo_nationals. Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors on Monday's show. Connor Jones and I will talk about all the moves that have happened. I was able was not able to talk to him this week because the Massa news in the middle of the week, and then we had obviously Alex Avila being signed. Uh, yesterday, so that, that's kind of what we're talking about today. But Connor Jones and I will break down some of the latest moves the Nats have made this offseason, kind of revisit them and give our thoughts uh, on Monday. So check that one out. All right, follow me on Twitter at Neighbors underscore. Follow the show at LO underscore Nationals. And until next time, my friends, please stay safe.